0: Welcome to Evangel Church. Our mission is to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com. Amen, to God be the glory, amen. Did you enjoy the choir this morning? Amen. Amen, it was pretty fantastic. Well, we are so excited. We are three weeks back from Mexico, and we're so excited for what God, I know Guatemala just got back. Welcome back, Maria. The kids are in Guatemala right now, our youth, we call them the ferocious 14, are in Guatemala right now. They are doing a kids crusade as we speak, so we're praying for them that God would meet them and bless them, Um, and I wanted to share a little bit of what God did in Mexico with us. I I would love to tell you everything, but we would be here until Jesus came back because he did so much. Every day was a story. Every day was an adventure. So we want to share with you some pieces of it, I put a slideshow together to show you, but what I want to really do this morning is introduce you to the amazing missionaries that we work with in Mexico. They happen to be here this morning. Chris and Julie Albuso along with Nathaniel and Andrew Albuso are in the front row over here. So can we welcome them, church? Over 80 people from this body have served with them in Mexico. Over 80 people from this body have served with them on the ground for the past five years. They are not Um, just the missionaries in Mexico, they're our family. We go to their house, we take over their house, by the way. Our shoes are everywhere, our clothes are everywhere. We're in their refrigerator, we're on their phone. I mean, they are so gracious to us. They by far, I've worked with missionaries all over the world, they by far are Class A missionaries in every way, and anyone who served with them would know this, is that not true? Is that not true, team? And they happen to be native New Jerseyans. So that looks a little extra cherry. Thank you guys so much for being with us this morning. We love you guys so much. Um, so I put a slideshow together for you. I'd love for you to see just a little piece. Know that they're just glimpses of what God did. Every picture is a story. Every picture is a life changed. And we just wanted to share a little bit with you. You can put it on for me, guys. Amen. <laughs> Amen. We had an amazing time. To God be the glory. Open up your Bibles this morning to 1 Kings chapter 13. 1 Kings chapter 13. We've been walking through a series as a church about the epic stories of Scripture. The big, bolder stories in Scripture. And today the story we're going to look at is an epic story. But this story does not end the way it's supposed to. This story was not supposed to end this way. See, the story we're gonna look at today, it has an epic derailment. It has an epic derailment. I think oftentimes when we look at these big boulder stories, we think that the story started and finished in that moment. But it didn't. For example, you look at the story of the Red Sea. It's this epic moment in Moses' life. But church, that moment didn't start there. It started 40 years prior in a desert. And you know what? It didn't end there. It continued for 40 more years in another desert. That epic moment was just simply that moment. So what I want to talk to you about tonight is the epic journey. The epic journey. You see, when we gave our lives to Jesus, we started an epic journey. You can say amen right there. We started an epic journey. We became alive unto God. We became spirit beings that now had the power of God, had the word of God, had the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And now we started this epic journey. Every day, every day is supposed to be filled with life. Every day we're supposed to wake up on assignment, intentional, God, what is going to happen today? Every day. You know what those epic moments are, Church. They're the cherry on top. They're the cherry on top of your every day with the Lord. Every day is supposed to be exciting. Every day you're supposed to get up and say, I wonder what God is going to do today. I wonder what God is going to do today. I wonder how he's going to move today. I wonder how he's going to speak to me today. I wonder how he's going to challenge my life today. No day was meant to be the same as any other day. No, No day was meant to be mundane, dull, or empty. It was all meant to be filled with the Lord. Every day. You know, I just came back from my 10th missions trip with Evangel. And I have to tell you, there's something being on a missions trip that makes you understand this concept of the epic journey. Because you wake up every morning on task. You wake up, you get ready, you're in prayer, you're on your word, you grab your team, you're praying, you're focused on what you're going to do, you're anticipating God So you're ready for whatever's going to come. You are on mission. But can I tell you something? We're all on mission. Every single one of us is on mission. If you didn't know, this place is not your home. We are passing through. We are citizens of another place. We are on mission here. Every day, we're supposed to wake up like we're on a missions trip. We're supposed to wake up intentional, intentional. Clear, focused, prayerful, ready for whatever the day brings. What does it look like when we're on mission like that? Well, I'll give you a little story from Mexico. We have been doing a VBS. This team was 15 people. The the highly favored 15 is what God named them. And so here we are, 15 people. About 300 kids show up for a vacation Bible school. Did I mention we had 15 people? And 300 kids but God was gracious he's always gracious because we're the highly favored 15 and God had his hand of mercy on us and my job I was the bouncer I made sure the boys didn't steal our supplies they didn't set fire to the garbage that kind of stuff and actually all those boys became our helpers after a while which was really great but here we are doing a, a VBS in the middle of this area and because the team is on point and they're focused you know what happens in those moments you can hear God really clearly, really clearly, because there's not a lot of junk in your ears. And so one little girl asked one of the team members, can you pray for me because I'm sick? And then another team member has someone else ask them to pray for healing. And Melinda catches wind of it and she said, we're supposed to pray for healing today because her ears were sharp. She said, pastor, we're gonna open up the altars for the kids to pray for healing. Absolutely, bring them up. We pray for healing, the altars are filled with kids asking for healing. One particular little girl that just that you saw in the video that Holly was praying for and Ori was praying for was a little girl whose heart is bigger than her body and if she doesn't have some type of surgery or something she's not going to make it. You could feel her heart beating out of her chest like this and the team laid hands on her. We believe God and we still believe God that God's going to heal her. But as we're getting ready to finish we're ending a woman walks over to me I don't speak Spanish, she doesn't speak English. Thank God Julio was there. And she says to me, um, I need you to pray for me because I had surgery on my brain and, and I'm just not, I'm not myself. I said, okay, so we began to pray for her. And because you're in that presence of understanding that you're on mission, your ears are sharp to God. So I said to her, Julio, ask her what's wrong with her legs. So he asked her and she said, oh my, my legs are really stiff, I can't lift them, they, they feel very weighted. So we pray over her, and she feels the presence of the Lord in her legs. She goes, I can lift them. I said, ask what's wrong with her hands. She said, she can't lift them past this point. We prayed for her. All of a sudden, she could lift her hands straight across. I said, ask what's wrong with her stomach. She said, she has three rocks in her stomach. So we began to pray, and she felt relief right away. I said, her vision, she can't see from the sides, and it's all blurry, right? She said, yes, it was. We prayed for her. I said to her, tell her she's gonna feel better in an hour. She tells who you tell her she's wrong? I can see better now. Everything's clear. Everything's clear. <laughs> the next day for VBS, she came walking at us like a wooden soldier, arms up, legs up. Why? She wanted to show us how healed she was, that she was still feeling better. When you're on mission, your ears are sharp, your mind is sharp, you're clear on what God is doing. And God desires for us to walk like this every day, church. Not once in a while. He doesn't want us to live in the monumental moments. He wants us to live in a daily, revelational relationship with Him. And so the story we're gonna look at today, I want you to watch it carefully. I'm gonna tell you the story. But I want you to watch it carefully and I want you to gauge with me when this story went wrong. I'm gonna give you a little history on the story. King David has died, and his son Solomon, his son with Bathsheba, becomes king of Israel. And Solomon is given more wisdom than any man that has ever lived. The Bible says that nobody is wiser than Solomon before or after. He's given great wisdom. He's given great wealth. He's rich beyond any measure. He has a city beside him that he throws the silver in, because silver to him is worthless. That's how much money he has. And he's got wealth. He's got power. And God even allows him to build the temple, which nobody before him was allowed to do. So he builds the temple. And God gives him anything he wants, but he gives him one command. He says, Solomon, don't love and marry foreign women. They will pull your heart from me. Don't do it. And every one of us in this room have a book in our Bible called Proverbs that's written ironically, by Solomon. And there's a verse in the book of Sol- in that book that says, guard your heart above all things because out of it flows the issues of life. Solomon wrote it, we preach about it, we talk about it all the time, it's one of the most popularly quoted verses anywhere, and Solomon couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. So Solomon loved many foreign women, he married many women, And each one of them pulled his heart further and further away from God. And as they pulled his heart away from God, he started building idols all over the kingdom. And the people began to worship these idols. So on Solomon's watch, all of Israel became filled with idolatry. And the fire of God burned against Solomon. God was angry with Solomon. And so in that midst, there was a young man that was rising up in the army. His name was Jeroboam. And Jeroboam was not of the lineage of anybody because the kingdom only went to the lineage of David, but Jeroboam was not. And the prophet of God went to Jeroboam and said, the Lord is angry with Solomon and he's going to take the kingdom from him and he's going to give it to you. He said, but he's going to give you 10 of the tribes. Two of them are going to go to Solomon's son Rehoboam. And the only reason that's going to happen, Is because God made a covenant with David, and God's going to keep his word. How many know we serve a covenant God? Amen? So he made a covenant promise to David, so he's going to honor it. Rehoboam is going to get Judah and and Benjamin, and Jeroboam gets all the other ten. And so when Solomon dies, that's exactly what happens. Jeroboam gets the ten, Rehoboam gets the two. They go on to rule their kingdoms, and then one day Jeroboam begins to get very insecure. He says, what happens if these people that I'm king over start to want to worship in Jerusalem where Judah is, what if they go there and then all of a sudden they want to be under an heir of David. They're going to turn on me. They're going to kill me. And so he decides to do something different. He begins to build golden calves and idols all over Israel again. And he fills the kingdom with idolatry. He makes an altar and begins to sacrifice on the altar to these golden calves. And he tells the people, don't go there to worship, worship here. And so the people do it. And they begin to worship there. And they turn their hearts from the Lord. And now God's anger comes on Jeroboam. And this is where our story picks up today. And I'm going to tell you the story for the sake of time. As he's worshiping, as he's putting idols and he's putting incense on this altar, God sends a man that we have no name for. He's simply named the man of God. How many like that identity? Amen? He's simply called the man of God. We don't know his name. We don't know anything about him. We just know he's the man of God. He shows up at the temple and he rebukes the altar and Jeroboam. He says, altar, altar. God is going to raise up Josiah. To take all these priests that have led the people astray and he's going to sacrifice the priests on this altar and he's going to bring righteousness back into this kingdom and this altar is going to split in half as a sign that god is behind my word as he does that jeroboam hears him he stretches his hand in anger he says arrest him and as he does that jeroboam's hand shrivels back to his side and all of a sudden the arrest him Became, became, um, can you pray for me? Can you ask your God to heal my hands? And the man of God does and God heals his hands. And as he's doing that, the altar splits just as the man of God said, and it shattered to the ground. And this is in awe of everyone that's watching. And the king says to him, listen, can you come and eat at my table and I'll, and I'll give you a gift for coming today? Because he's trying to make nice all of a sudden. And the man of God says, no. I've been given very strict instructions from the Lord. I'm not allowed to eat or drink in this place, nor am I allowed to go back by the same road I came. I have to go a different route. So he leaves. As he leaves, some of the people that were there go back to their homes. Two boys in particular go back to their home. And their father is called the old prophet. Now, the word old here is not necessarily about age. What it means is it's a man that no longer hears God. He's not a current prophet. God's not speaking to him anymore. And so they go back and the old prophet says, what happened? He tells them everything that happened about the altar splitting and the hand and everything. And he goes, did you see where the man went? We did. He went this road. So the old prophet gets a horse, a donkey. He saddles his donkey. He goes down to the road. He finds the man of God right out south town sitting underneath an oak tree. He goes up to him and says, Are you the man of God that went to Jeroboam? He said, I am. He said, come back to my house and eat something. He said, I can't. I've been given very strict instructions from the Lord not to eat and drink in this town. And the old prophet looks at him and says, but today an angel stood before me and told me to take you back to my house. And the scripture says in parentheses, but he was lying. He was lying. And so the man of God believes him. He gets up. He leaves He goes back to the old prophet's house. They're sitting at his table eating. And the old prophet, who has not heard God in years, all of a sudden hears God. And he turns to the man of God and he says, the Lord rebuke you. Because you have come against the word of the Lord and you have not honored the instruction you've been given, your body will never go back to your country. You will die here. They finish eating. The man of God leaves. On the road that he's traveling, he's met by a lion. The lion kills him. And he's left on the ground, lion on one side, donkey on the other. Unbelievable, right? I read this story and I'm like, this is outrageous. How in the world did this story end this way? How in the world did this story end this way? I mean, when you look at this story, The man of God got the big things right. He got the big things right. Didn't he go and rebuke the king? Didn't God use him to heal? Didn't the altar break? Aren't those the big things? At the end of the day, who cares that he ate bread? Who cares that he drank water? Who cares what road he travels? These are little, little things. Should these little things really matter that much? Should these little, little things, when you get the big stuff right, does the little things really, really matter? Who cares about the little, little things? Should these things have cost him everything? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. You know who cares about the little things? God cares about the little things. God cares about those little, little things. God cares about those little compromises. God cares about those little sins, those little indiscretions. God cares. God cares about those little things. Those little things, church, will always be what derails your epic journey. It'll never be the big things. It'll always be the little things. They will always derail the journey, these little, little things. There's a verse in Song of Solomon, ironically, again, written by Solomon, that says, beware of the little foxes that ruin the vineyard. Beware of the little foxes that ruin the vineyard. Strange verse. You know why it doesn't say big foxes? Because big foxes, you'll see a mile away. You'll see them coming, you'll grab a bow, and you'll take care of the big foxes. But you know what happens with the little foxes? They're just little. We tolerate them. We tolerate them because they're little. How much damage could they possibly cause? They just take little bites. Big foxes trample the whole vineyard. Little ones just ruin a leaf at a time. Little by little, step by step, bite by bite, bite by bite, little bite. Little bites and what ends up happening when you finally look up the whole vineyards destroyed bite by bite, bite the little foxes have come in and they've destroyed everything so what does that look like in practical terms maybe today you'll look at me and say pastor I would never murder anybody I would never murder I, I couldn't that's a big fox but is there a little Unforgiveness. Do we tolerate a little? I would never, never cheat on my spouse. Great. That's a big fox. But is there a little bit of lust? Little. I would never rob a bank. Never. Great. But is there a little dishonesty? Is there a little? Because these little foxes are what ruined the whole equation. Little by little, step by step. These little foxes come in and they destroy everything. Everything. So you have to understand something this morning, church, that 95% obedience is still 5% disobedience. Let me say that again. 95% obedience is still 5% disobedience. And I'm having come today to add this condemnation to us my heart is that we would walk out convicted. Because that's my job as your pastor. Our job is to get the bride ready to meet Jesus. Amen? How many know Jesus is coming back? Amen? And our job is to get ready for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. And our job is to get that bride ready. How many of you know somebody or you yourself sitting here today, are you watching online? At some point, when you would hear the name Jesus, everything inside of you would bubble up. Everything inside of you would get excited. You hear the name Jesus and you're like, oh. (laughs) You'd walk into worship. They could be doing worship with a banjo. You don't care. You don't care. Because your heart is so in love. Maybe it's you, maybe it's somebody you know. But now, the things of God are common. They're simple. Prayer is a strain. Reading the word is a chore. Coming to church is a duty. And there's not that fire, there's not that bubble. I know people that graduated from me from Bible school, that when they were in Bible school, they were on fire. They loved Jesus, and now I don't even recognize them. What happened? The little. The little got in and they didn't take care of the little. You know what my hope is today, church? My hope is that we as a body would take a broom, walk into our soul, walk into our spirit, and begin to hit all the little foxes right out and clean house, clean our hearts, clean our minds, say, Lord, these little foxes are no longer welcome in my house. They're no longer welcome in my mind. They're no longer welcome in my spirit. They're not welcome here anymore. I want all these little foxes out, God, because I am not going to have this demise. I'm going to walk in everything you have for me. I'm going to walk on this epic journey and I'm not going to have an epic derailment. When we were in Mexico, we went to to do a kid's crusade in this particular area that we had never gone before. And Melinda described it perfectly as we went there. It felt like the Valley of Dry Bones. It was an untouched region with the gospel. And I need you to understand something, church. Mexico is only 3% saved. Is that correct, Julie? 3%? Yeah, 3% that that claim Christ in some way. So Mexico is an untapped place for the gospel, church. And it's right there. (laughs) And so we go to this area that hasn't been touched There's this pastor, this young pastor there, who has such big vision and big heart. It was great to hear his heart. It was great to hear his vision. He has more vision than I've seen in such a long time. And we began to pray for him. And God began to bless him, but God gave him a word. And the word was this. I've put your wife in your life to be a voice to you, but you don't listen to her. I've put her there to help hold you accountable, but you shut her out, it will be your demise because I've placed her there for that reason. Don't be stubborn, listen to her. You say, well, that's so little. That's his little fox, church. That's his little fox. God gave him all this this vision, all this ambition, great, but here's this little fox. God was saying, get it together. Get it together, son, because I wanna use you, but this is a place you're not listening. You at church with me this morning, church? Yeah? Feeling all right? Amen. It's important for us to understand the times that we're living in. It's important. We are living in a prophetic time, church. Every day the world is getting worse. Amen? Every day. You don't know if you can go to a movie opening. You don't know if you can go to a mall. You don't know... Every day you're like, what's the next deal? What's the next target? What's, What's the next place that's unsafe? Amen? You worry about your kids going to school, you have to pray over them. And we have to understand that the days of the church resembling the world are over. We have been called to be different. We have been called to be righteous. We have been called to be holy. We have been called to be set apart. And the days of the world looking at the church and saying they don't have their act together are over. We got to get our act together. We got to get our act together. We need to begin to do the work of cleaning out our hearts and getting them right before God. You might say to me, Pastor, I don't know how to do 100% obedience. That's okay. I don't either. I do know somebody that does, though. His name is the Holy Spirit. And my job is to give him 100% surrender. When I give him that, he then begins to help me clean that out. He begins to point out things. He begins to say, child, we gotta get rid of this. Let me give you the strength to do this. Let me, and he begins. So you don't have to do all the work. You just have to do all the surrender and allow him to do a work in you so that you can begin to be on this epic journey the way you're supposed to be with no derailment. You know, it's funny in our story today, when, Did the old prophet come to him? It's very very symbolic. He had left town. So what does that mean? He thought he was done. He was out of town. He made it. He was sitting underneath a tree. So what does that mean? He was getting some shade. He was relaxing for a minute. He was catching his breath. His guard was down. Don't think the enemy is not involved in your derailments. Don't think the enemy does not know when to bring the little foxes. He knows exactly when to bring the little foxes. That's when he went to him because his guard was down. But what does the scripture tell us? Child of God, be alert at all times because your enemy, the devil, is walking about like a lion seeking whom he may devour. Your guard is never supposed to be down, child of God. And when it's down, you have to be aware of it. Say, you know what? I I need some prayer because my guard is down. I feel feel defeated. I feel weak. I feel vulnerable. You turn to the Lord in those moments. You don't turn away from him. You don't try and do it on your own. You turn towards him so that those little foxes don't find their way. Our, Our trip to Mexico, I told you we were the highly favored 15 the Lord gave us. And I told you the trip started with a kiss from heaven ended with an exclamation point. So our kiss from heaven was really, really, really sweet. We were coming in. We had an hour layover in Houston. How many know an hour layover is ridiculous? So hard. So hard. And I had 15 people to move. I don't even know what gate we're going to, let alone how to get there. We start, we were beginning to take off. I'm like, God, you know what? As long as we're on time, we're good. Well, we weren't on time. We get on the plane, we sit on the plane, five minutes late, 10 minutes late, 15 minutes late. And I have my phone up, like it's a magical phone, like suppose that's going to make the plane take off. So I'm looking, 20 minutes late. There's a problem. And I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, am I faithful or am I not faithful? I said, Lord, you're faithful. He said, then put the phone away. So I dropped my phone. It is what it is now. We're in, right? We left 38 minutes late, 38 minutes. I was like, we are gonna have to run like crazy people across Houston Airport. We land in Houston, I pick up my phone to find out what gate we're going to. The next flight is 38 minutes delayed to the letter. God gave us back every minute we lost. That was our little kiss in the beginning. On the way back, we're coming back, our defenses were down, we were tired. Apparently a mariachi band moved into our hotel when we were there, so there's a lot of music. The team is all nodding their head. I was like, either we join the band. I don't really know what we do at this point. We had a whole bunch of baseball players there that decided that they were going to party all night. They had music going. They were drinking. I was like, oh, Lord. So every morning we got up a little tired. So now we're coming home and we're exhausted. We have missions exhaustion. We have lack of sleep exhaustion. We're done. We're exhausted. We get on the plane. We're going to stop in Houston again. But this time we have a two and a half hour delay. So I'm like, that's pretty good, except this. It's our first entry back into the country. So there's something called customs and immigration. And in Houston, they require you to pick up your bags that you've checked in and check them back in. Not a problem, two and a half hours. We leave 40 minutes delayed, late. So now it's an hour and 40 minutes, still pretty decent. We land, we run through customs and immigration. We split the team in half, seven don't have bags. You guys go to the gate with Melinda, eight that have bags, come with me, we'll go get our bags. You have to go to the conveyor belt. It's not like they put your bags inside. you have to wait with everybody else to get your bags. You get your bags, you have to run around, go to the other side of the airport, find where to put them back. We start checking the back in. we're good, we got 30 minutes. We check them in, Julio comes to me, he says, they they flagged John. What do you mean they flagged John? He goes, they flagged John. Security took him. So I look and there's John walking over there with security. I'm like, what in the world just happened? I'm like, okay. I send, I said, okay team, go ahead, I'm gonna wait for John. Not a big deal. We're good, we got 25 minutes. I text him, John, what's going on? He goes, I've been flagged. So what are they doing? They're gonna search my bags. Anyone in front of you? Yes, six people. How many people searching the bags? One. How fast is it going? Really slow. I'm like, every answer you don't wanna hear. <laughs> every answer you don't wanna hear. I'm like, John, go tell the guy that our plane is leaving in 20 minutes. He said he doesn't care. Okay. I text the team, hey guys, I need you to pray, because John has been flagged, and I don't know how long this is gonna take. Okay, so the team is praying now. They're they're by the gate, and they're praying. I then see the head of security walking by, and I'm thinking, here's an opportunity. Maybe I'll talk to him. So I go over to him, and I tell him our story. So this is what we're doing, blah, blah, blah. He goes, oh, ma'am, I'm so sorry. He goes, you know what you should do? You should probably go downstairs to where your friend is so you two can miss your flight together. And he walks away. Y'all know I'm from Brooklyn, right? So there was my little fox right there. There it was. And I said, oh, Jesus. I was like, pastor, turn around. You know, we have to talk ourselves down to, right? Pastor, turn around. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Resist the little fox, resist. Do not get arrested in Houston airport leading a mission trip, don't do it. (laughs) So I let him walk away. But as he's walking away and I got myself together, I realized something, I didn't hear his voice. I heard the voice of the enemy. That's what I heard and I went okay. I texted the team, I said, team, this is warfare. Pray different now. So they began to pray, I began to pray. Melinda texts me, pastor, they're, they're, the, they're loading the plane. I said, tell the student of such a situation. She goes, she's very sorry, we have to be here in 10 minutes. <laughs> she goes, there's nothing she can do about it. I said, okay. John, what's going on? We haven't moved. Okay. Melinda texts me, they're loading the last group. They're getting ready to shut the doors. Okay, John, anything? He goes, yeah, now I'm third. So I'm standing in between two realities that are going on. Finally, simultaneously, Melinda texts me. Pastor, they shut the plane doors. John texts me. I'm out. I said, I'm going to have a stroke. Right here in the middle of Houston Airport. I'm going to die. Like, there's no, am I going to? I call him. I said, John, where are you? He goes, I can't find you. I said, no, don't find me. Go to the gate. E14, run to the gate. I call Melinda. Melinda, tell them we're coming. She said, there's nothing they can do about it. The door is shut. They can't open the door again. The plane, you've missed the flight. And I say, and instantly as she's telling me, I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, tell her to go talk to the captain. I said, Melinda, go talk to the captain. She said, the Lord just told me the same thing. I'm on it. She runs (laughs) to the front of the plane. She's like, I need to talk to the captain. They're like, you can't talk to the captain. He's getting ready to take off a plane. She goes, but no, I need to talk to him. And she begins to make, I can hear her because I'm running across the airport with my phone. I hear this passionate plea that she's doing to them. And I'm running, I'm running, I'm running, I'm running. Can I tell you, I'm so tired of running across airports on mission strips. So I'm running, I'm running. I get to our gate, and the marquee has changed already. It's another the flight. There's nobody there, and the door is shut. I said, Lord, what do I do? He said, knock on the glass. I start knocking on the glass. I'm like, hello, hello? I have no idea where John is, by the way. I'm knocking on the glass, I'm knocking on the glass, and this man gets up has nothing to do with us. He walks over and he goes, what are you doing? I think it's pretty obvious what I'm doing, right? I'm like, what? He goes, lady, you missed your flight. Stop fighting. And I looked over and I heard the enemy again. I heard him again. And I said, so don't worry about it. This doesn't concern you. And he said, no, you should, you should go sit down. I said, no, how about you sit down? <laughs> so he left, he sat down, he folded his arms, he just watched us. So I'm knocking on the glass, A man comes out, he's like, lady, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to get on my plane. He goes, plane, which plane? Newark, Newark is gone. The door's shut, they've been cleared for takeoff. You can't get on that plane, it's over. I said, well, they're talking to the captain. He goes, talking to the captain, the captain has to call the tower. This is not an emergency. They're not going to open the doors. They never open the doors. I'm like, well, I'm just going to wait here. He goes, you can get a tent. You can get a sleeping bag. You can do whatever you want. It's not going to happen. He goes to to the table. He's playing with whatever he's doing. John comes running now. Finally, John shows up, and John's like, are we getting on the plane? I said, I don't know. They're talking to the captain. The whole time, I can hear Melinda on the phone, and I can hear the team praying. The entire time the team is praying so basically what's happening is the whole airplane is playing because the, the, the team is praying out loud and the team is engaged and the whole team the whole airplanes like what is going on <laughs> what is going on there is intensity on the plane because all these people are praying and John comes in and he's like so what's, what's happening I said I don't know so he begins to pray out loud he said father I thank you that the heart of the king is in your hand and you turn it any way that you want God And as he's praying, that I hear the Lord say to me, I named you the highly favored 15. Watch my favor. Watch my favor. So I begin to pray out loud too. And now all the people in the waiting room are watching us pray out loud. And they're like, What is happening? What is happening? The guys at the desk are kind of like, These two are crazy. And then I can hear on the plane the team praying. And then all of a sudden the phone rings. And the guy at the desk picks up the phone. He goes, hello? What? What? He goes, yeah, no, they're, they're both right here. What? Are you, are you serious? And he looks up at me and his eyes are getting bigger and bigger. And my grin is getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm smiling. I'm getting my eyes. And he is just staring, he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what to do. I'm like, before he says it to me, I said, Melinda, they're opening the plane. I can hear the team exploding. Duck, wow. hang up. I said, we'll be right there. Walk over, he goes, can you you two come over here? Sure, something wrong, sir? He goes, I need to reticket you. I said, because they're opening the plane? And he goes, he goes, because apparently you know somebody that can open planes. I said, well, we do. His name is Jesus. And he said, let me tell you something. Only Jesus could open that plane. It doesn't happen, he said. So come on in. Let's check you guys in. And we're still rushing because we're still in that rush mode. He goes, guys, guys, you don't have to rush. Houston Airport has officially paused for you to Come on board. We get on the plane. As we're getting on the plane, the entire plane begins to cheer. Not our team. Everybody's like, the team is like Jesus (laughs) we sit down on the plane and all we see happening all over the plane is people beginning to talk to team members going so you guys go to church like so you believe in in Jesus like so you will pray and all this now is rippling Because that's why those epic moments happen, church. They're not for us to be glorified. It's for Jesus to be glorified. That's why he does these things. It's not about us. It's about the gospel being promoted and God's hand being shown. A hundred and some people witnessed what has never happened. Why? Because Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. And so why do I tell you this? It's because the epic moments happen, but they come in journeys. They come in pieces. These things should be part of our daily life. And I'm going to encourage you as we bow our heads and get ready to spend some time in prayer this morning. Don't allow the little foxes to derail your walk. Don't allow the little foxes to derail what God wants to do in your life. Would you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. How many of you this morning can say, I serve a good God, amen? I serve a faithful God. I serve a God that can open plain doors. I serve a God that is faithful to his people. Hallelujah. 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 We give you praise, Jesus. Would you lift your hands with me this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And would you just start a dialogue with God right now in your heart? Just start a dialogue. Be honest with him. Say, Lord, I've allowed some foxes. I've allowed some little foxes. I've tolerated them, God. I've made excuses for them. I've justified them. But I'm done with all that today, God. I want to take a broom, Lord God, and begin to clean out all these little foxes from my life, God. Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. the Lord this morning, God, I'm not willing to live in just 95% obedience, God. I'm not willing. I want to give you everything. I want to surrender everything, God. I want to get rid of all the things, Lord God, all the little compromises, Lord God, all the little pieces, Lord God. I want to learn from our story today, Lord God, that I can get all the big things right, And if I miss the little ones, it's all for nothing. Jesus, Jesus, hallelujah. I'm going to do two altars today. The first one is this. If maybe there was a time in your life where the fire of God just burned in you so richly and so beautifully. But it's simply not there right now. And that's okay. But you're not I don't, I don't want this anymore. I want my heart to jump when I hear the name Jesus. I want my heart to jump when I hear the name Jesus. I want living water to be flowing in my life. I've been derailed and I don't want that anymore. I want you to come forward. And make a fresh start with you and God. Say, God, right now, God, I want you to be flowing richly in my life. Have the courage to come forward today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. That's it. Hallelujah. It takes courage, but God will meet you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the next altar is this. You say, from this point forward, I want the discernment, I want the wisdom, and I want the courage to not allow the little foxes to have any place in my life. Lord, would you help me walk in 100% obedience? I want you to come up and let's pray for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. It's okay if everyone wants to come up. God will meet us. to workers in Team Mexico, you're free to begin to pray for people as the Lord leads you. Hallelujah. That's right. Keep coming, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus. We'll wait for you. Just keep coming. Hallelujah.